Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. He's located in Tel Aviv today, and we'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed, he is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry will be joining us, as well as Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, and now author. He's written several murder mysteries located in Washington, D.C. We'll visit with Jim as well. It is April the 3rd, and on this day in 1469, the Italian philosopher and writer Niccolo Machiavelli was born. A lifelong patriot and diehard proponent of unified Italy, Machiavelli became one of the fathers of modern political theory, but not at some personal expense. Machiavelli uh, entered the political service of his native Florence by the time he was 29, as defense secretary, he distinguished himself by executing policies that strengthened Florence politically. He soon found himself assigned uh, diplomatic missions for uh, principality, through which he met such luminaries as Louis XII of France, Pope Julius II, the Holy Roman Empire Maximilian I, and perhaps most importantly for Machiavelli, a prince of the papal state named Caesar Borgia, the shrewd and cunning Borgia later inspired the title character in Machiavelli's famous and influential political treatise, The Prince, which was written in 1532. Machiavelli's uh, political life took a downturn after 1512 when he fell out of favor with the powerful Medici family. He was accused of conspiracy, imprisoned, tortured, and temporarily exiled. It was an attempt to regain a political post that met the Medici family's good favor that Machiavelli penned The Prince, which was to become his most well-known work. Though released in book form posthumously in 1532, The Prince was first published as a pamphlet in 1513. In it, Machiavelli outlined his vision for an ideal leader, an amoral, calculating tyrant for whom the ends justified the means. The prince not only failed to win the Medici family favor, it also alienated him from the Florentine people. Machiavelli was never truly welcomed back into politics, and when the Florence Republic was reestablished in 1527, Machiavelli was an object of great suspicion. He died later that year, embittered and shut out of the Florentine society to which he had devoted his life. Though Machiavelli had long associated with the practice of <coughs> diabolical expediency in the realm of politics, that was made famous by the prince, his actual views were not so extreme. In fact, such longer and more detailed writings as Discourses on the First Ten Books of Levy, or Levy uh, and the book History of Florence, he showed himself to be a more principled political moralist. Still, even today, the term Machiavelli is used to describe an action undertaken for gain without regard for right or wrong. Interesting life. Uh, certainly ended up on the wrong side of the branch uh, <laughs> when it came to his politics. Uh, he needed uh, some sort of uh, uh, <clears throat> somebody to handle his his uh, public uh, uh, persona. Well, the Florida House approved a measure to go on the ballot that would require district school board members to be elected in a partisan election. 
The House joint resolution passed the House committee by 79 to 34. The resolution proposes a change to the Florida Constitution requiring candidates for district school boards to be elected in a partisan race. If 60% of the voters, that would be you and I, in other words, it'll be on the ballot, approve the uh, proposal, school board members will be elected on a partisan basis until November, uh, uh, not until uh, November the 2026 general election. However, partisan primary elections may occur before 2026. The amendment will go into effect upon approval of the electors since 2000. District school board members have been elected in nonpartisan elections, but were elected in partisan elections prior to that year. <clears throat> this is a great change in my view. I hope the uh, I hope we vote this in as a constitutional amendment because some people uh, they actually extremely progressive, but they pose in order to win the election to be in the central or in the middle. Uh, now we'll have the opportunity to find out, you know, more about these candidates. I think it'll create more transparency. The Florida House could vote as early as uh, Friday on a measure that would uh, prevent middle schools from starting before 8 a.m. and high schools from starting earlier than 8.30 a.m. Backers of the proposal pointed to research showing teens need more sleep and that early school starting times are hurting their ability to learn. The House bill and its Senate companion have drawn little opposition going through the committee process, but some local school districts have told some lawmakers that they are concerned about being able to provide transportation to students uh, when school start times are more compressed. Well, guys, I'm thinking you're going to just have to figure it out. Uh, that's why we pay you the big books. Again, the, the, whole, the whole idea here is if uh, students learn better starting school later, then that's what we should do. <clears throat> Former President Donald Trump has planned an 8.15 p.m. speech uh, Tuesday night at Mar-a-Lago. The speech, which will air live in its entirety on Newsmax, will come just hours after Trump was scheduled to be arraigned in the Manhattan court after District Attorney Alvin Bragg uh, grand jury delivers an indictment on Thursday. Uh, President Trump is very emboldened and he's very strong. He feels the support from all the people who are backing him, said Jason Miller, breaking the news to uh, Newsmax. So tomorrow, on Monday, he'll be flying up to New York and, of course, heading down the courthouse on Tuesday morning. And then it's going to be announced here very shortly. President Trump is going to be giving a speech on Tuesday night at uh, Mar-a-Lago at 8.15. I think the entire world will be watching just how strong and just how fervent he is that we must continue this Great to Make America Great Again movement because you can't have Trump policies without President Trump, said Jason Miller. <clears throat> Polster Jim McLaughlin of uh, McLaughlin Associates has shown the indictment has boosted internal campaign polling for Trump, which has turned a 12-point lead on the field to 30 points. As Jim pointed out, even in the general election, he has a decisive lead over Joe Biden. The arraignment reportedly was planned to be at 2.15, but uh, Miller alluded to the Tuesday morning trip to the courthouse representing a potential change in the timetable. Mar-a-Lago in, uh, in Palm Beach, Florida, is at least a two-hour flight, wheels up and wheels down from New York City. Well, Trump's not known for uh, being on time for his speeches anyhow, but the point is, uh, I understand that there is a judge that's considering a gag order on Trump, which would really inhibit his ability to speak to the American people and campaign for president. I tell you, these people are just ruthless. 
Well, a high-stakes election is taking place in Wisconsin on April the 4th. This is a big deal. Former Justice Dan Kelly, who's a Republican, and Judge Janet uh, Proteskiewicz are running to replace Judge Patience Rodenek, Rodensack on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So why is this important? The election will decide the ideological makeup of the court. Millions of dollars are being spent in the race. Uh, vastly, uh, the uh, Democrats' campaign is vastly outspending and outfundraising that of Kelly's. Uh, campaign finance uh, filing reports published on Monday found Kelly's campaign has raised roughly $2.2 million between February the 7th and March 20th, while uh, Protescuitz's campaign has raised close to $12.4 million in the t- same time frame. I uh, bet you some of that is Soros money. One analysis of the race is uh, WisPolitics.com, published on Wednesday, suggests that spending in the race is approaching close to $45 million. The sheer amount of money being spent in the race underscores Wisconsin's status as among a handful of pivotal battleground states for both Democrats and Republicans. Party control has remained divided within the state, though Republicans enjoy a legislative edge. Wisconsin has a Democrat governor, of course, and both parties in the Senate. The uh, state also has a GOP-dominated state legislature, and Wisconsin's congressional delegation in the House has a 6-2 Republican majority. So this is a big deal because it can affect all kinds of things, uh, especially uh, voter integrity and uh, just a number of things that are important for a swing state like Wisconsin. Well, a team of researchers reported that in 2022 alone, more than 26 million people were injured and 1.36 million were disabled by COVID injections. Let that sink in. Additionally, 300,000 excess deaths can be attributed to the shots, which also cost the U.S. economy nearly $150 billion. Research firm Finance Technologies reported that it divided the impact of the so-called vaccines into four broad categories to estimate the human costs associated with the shots. No effect or asymptomatic, those who sustained injuries, mild to moderate, those who became disabled, severe outcome, and death, of course, extreme outcome. Finance Technologies is founded and operated by former BlackRock portfolio manager Ed Dowd and some others. He said on uh, the data on disabilities and injuries due to the shots comes directly from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, while the excess death figures are derived from local figures on deaths in the United States via two different methods. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever seen Ed uh, Dowd, very impressive guy. Finance reported that it used absolute excess loss work time to determine the direct economic cost of vaccine injuries was $79.5 billion in 2022 and $52.2 billion for those with severe disabilities. For deaths, finance used the average yearly absolute rise in excess deaths since 2021, which was 0.05% for 25 to 60-year-old, 64-year-old demographic, which amounted to $5.6 billion in lost productivity. In total, they found a total economic cost of $147.8 billion in 2022 due to the COVID-19 shots. That doesn't even take into account the, the uh, emotional, uh, emotional loss and the devastation that occurred for so many families. Dowd pointed out that the study figures are just what can be currently measured, things like uh, the effects such as long-term productivity due to a worker being present but not working at, say, 100% of capacity is missed. But burnout from those picking up slack, the multiplier effects are massive, Dowd suggested. 
Dowd noted that in March 28, in a tweet that Pfizer Moderna in 2022 had combined seeds uh, 19 vaccine revenues in total of $11.5 billion. So for every $1 they made, it cost the U.S. economy $13 a- a- as an equivalent. Quite the negative social return on investment, largest crime scene in history. Multiply that across the globe. The numbers are conservative. Just let that sink in and what w- what's happened to our society as a result of COVID, how they uh, sold it, amplified the numbers, and approved the vaccine on a temporary basis uh, due to the quote-unquote emergency. Oh, the power of those uh, January 6th video scenes in the hands of Tucker Carlson and uh, Fox News. Not long after Carlson aired the actual footage of the raid on the Capitol on January 6th, Jacob Chansley, better known as QAnon Shaman, was released early from prison. In other words, the judge was able to view the tapes and see exactly what happened. And uh, he said, look, keep you in jail for this for for additional 14 months. So he's been released. And I think that's uh, just great news. Uh, So pleased to hear it. Hopefully, as a result of these tapes, we'll find out the real truth about what happened on January 6th. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CallYourSeniorCenter.org. That's CallYourSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, you may not be aware that most health insurance plans in the United States don't cover international travel. You want to be able to travel with confidence and with very short investment, very small money, uh, you can make sure that you have peace of mind. Visit internationalhealthplans.com. We have with us Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you'll visit it, uh, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. I should point out to our, our listeners that you are in Tel Aviv. Well, let's start off with what's happening in Israel right now. Any update? Sure. So after we got off the air last Monday, uh, last Monday evening Israel time, Prime Minister Netanyahu got on TV and declared a halt to the current attempt of judicial change uh, to give time for discussions to take place to see if agreements can be reached. Since then, there have been meetings um, to see if that can happen under the auspices of the Israeli president. Um, big question what, what the result is going to be. Um, realistically, Netanyahu needs a way to, uh, to climb down from the tree that he's taken his party to because it's been a disaster for them, you know, both, both in terms of economically, militarily, and all those sort of ways. And based on polls, if the elections were held today, his party would be, I won't say destroyed, but would lose lose office quite decisively. Yeah. So, oh, well, do, you, um, do you think that he's just buying some time right now? I think it's an extra month or so. Or is right. He... I mean, that's the big question. No one really knows. Obviously, there was demonstrations again this Saturday night, uh, basically saying, we don't trust you, we'll see what happens. And almost as many people came out this Saturday night as had come out the previous Saturday night, maybe a little bit less, maybe there was 180 instead of 220,000 in Tel Aviv, but the large, large crowds. I mean, at this point, 1.8 million Israelis have taken part in some demonstrations. To put that into perspective, that would be like, um, I guess, 72 million, maybe 90, about 85 million Americans participating in the demonstrations. Yeah. Uh, so, so this happened after the announcement that they were delaying the the vote. Right. This demonstration on Saturday wow. happened afterwards. <clears throat> wow. Um, there was this, you know, again, no one, no one trusts Netanyahu. One of his um, coalition partners was from the far right, named Smutridge, basically said before the elections, he was caught on tape saying, uh, "A liar, the son of liars," basically. Uh, which is an easy translation. So, and basically, almost every major person in the opposition once worked for Netanyahu. Ah. So, it's a very interesting situation. Almost all the opposition, not not those that would be considered further on the left, but all the center people in the opposition at one point or another worked for Netanyahu, and they were all opposed him because they don't trust him. 
we'll, we'll see. We'll stay tuned. So let, let's move to the Ukraine. Any developments between Russia and Ukraine? The only real, really um, developments um, is the fact that there is no developments. So what do I mean by that? The Russians <clears throat> were planning on taking this small town named Boxrat, or I don't know how to pronounce it, but in any case, they've been attempting to take it now for eight months. Mm-hmm. And some people suggested that the Ukrainians pull out a long time ago. Um, it was said that it really is not strategic a plan, uh, town. But sometimes in war, uh, symbolism is more important than, st- than strategy or strategic location. Yeah. And the town has you know, become a, really a, a symbol. And the Ukrainians have managed to hold off repeated, repeated, repeated Russian assaults now for, uh, at this point, we're talking about, um, I guess it's eight months. And the Russians had a plan. The winter offensive was to get all of Donbass by the end of this, by the end of, by spring. Spring has now arrived officially everywhere in the world. And I would say the Russians may have gained, you know, a kilometer on the front in in, in four months of fighting. That's not Mm -hmm. exactly a a huge victory, to say the least. In the meantime, the Ukrainians are preparing their counteroffensive. They're trying to integrate all of the Western arms as it arrives. It's not a small challenge when you're dealing with different types of tanks and different types of systems. Um, so that will be a major challenge for the Ukrainians on how to integrate American tanks, British tanks, and of course German tanks. Um, so that's plus together with their old Soviet equipment, which they still have. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be a major challenge, um, but they'll be, when they start their offensive, they'll be um, A, using modern Western tactics. And they've gotten training from the U.S. and Britain in terms of the tactics, and um, we'll see what that results in. Absolutely, uh, you know, we we've talked about the, how uh, uh, Putin is uh, actually having. Well, we suspect he's having his uh, opponents murdered <laughs> in Russia, uh, the oligarchs and so forth, and, uh, a number of officials, but also uh, reports from Ukraine. Now we know the people are committed to uh, defeating Russia, but uh, he is oppressing uh, religious. Uh, and uh, and as well as political opponents, uh, that's mostly propaganda. The religious opponents, he's he's, he's oppressing as the Russian Orthodox Church that yeah. refuses to break its ties with Russia. Uh, let's you know again. I'm not sure where these where the oppression that the Ukrainians are doing has come from. It's not taking place. So in other words, he's, he is not harassing or intimidating his uh, political opponents. Not the political opponents. He's intimidating the, the Russian Orthodox Church. That I agree with. But yeah. that's a, the Russian Orthodox Church takes orders from Moscow. So that's really who they are. And let's keep that in mind. And again, there is so much attempt by the Russians to influence right-wing media in the United States. That really is a major effort on their part. And they succeed way too often and, and plant false stories. I see it all the time in my Twitter timeline and other places. And just absolute falsehoods. But the Russians are really, really good at it. Look, you remember going up to the war, right? Mm-hmm. I was the one who kept on saying they were going to attack. Yeah. And that that was because the Russians were, were pushing. I'm, they would never attack. They kept on saying that. They kept on lying straight straight out. And they managed to seep that into some of the, into the media here, here in the United States and everywhere. So we got to be very, you got to be very, very careful. Understand we're dealing with a well-oiled propaganda machine that has been using social media and other media for for 10 years, maybe more. Well, it seems, very, it seems like when you see a, the, the, the art of propaganda is being perpetrated by so many on so many fronts. You have to be careful with every media outlet. I would trust. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's no question about that. I mean, 
Look, the only advantage, now I know you don't like some of the traditional media, but the only advantage, let's say the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, uh, Washington Post, I don't know, uh, a few others have, um, whether you like their headlines or what, what articles they tend to cover, they do have a certain level of requiring two sources and all those type of things before they'll print an article. Yeah. Um, and online, that's not necessary. You know, I can set up a website uh, that looks really a real good news website. Yeah. And you'll come to it and you'll say, what a great news website. But no one's proving what, you know, I, I don't write whatever I want there. And it may or may not be true. And if I use ChatGDP to write it, I'm sure it'll sound even better. Well, so my, my counter to your comment is that, uh, of course, the Wall Street Journal can investigate it or the uh, New York Times can investigate any story, but whether they choose to cover the story... That is true. And those, there's, there's, the bias in the media, please understand what I'm saying. The bias in the media is not is what, what, article, what areas they choose to investigate, yeah. where they place an article, whether it's, you know, in the old days, top of the fold or under the fold. Now it's, you know, where on the website yeah. and what headlines they use. Yeah. But the difference, and this is very important, and I think your listeners should understand the difference between traditional media and non-traditional media is 95% of the time the actual facts in an article in the New York Times, in the Washington Post, in the uh, Wall Street Journal, and a few other L.A. Times, a few other the other traditional sources, the facts will be true, mm. which is not the case on 90% of the online sources that no one is double-checking and they're, they're there sometimes just for propaganda. Well, so that's the difference. Yes, they're biased. No question about it. What they choose to cover is a, is a, is a decision by editors and it reflects their biases. How big the headline is, again, their biases. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'll say the I'll, actual facts. I'll suggest uh, that the uh, movie, what was the name of the movie back in the day? In any event, the point being is that now it's all based on clicks and, and coverage of, of news columns at the expense, I believe, of the actual news. And I think that's true. Oh, absolutely. There's no question. The decisions made um, by news media today which articles to place, and more importantly, what headline to place on the article. The headline is really this key. Yeah, isn't it? It's what people see when they see the, when they decide to click it's the headline. So very often you'll read an article and the headline has almost nothing to do with the actual article. That's right. But the yeah. only thing you see is the headline. And even if you don't read the article, you see that headline, wow, what, whatever it might have been. <laughs> the article itself didn't even mention it or it mentioned something in passing. It had nothing at all to do with it, but it got the clicks. And that's, that's, what right. people, that's what they want. Mark, we've got so much so, more to talk about. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. 
Office is located at 9015 Stratostel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, going to be visiting uh, with Jim McTagg, uh, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. So, uh, Finland's in the news. Maybe you can tell us what's going on. Right. So, Finland's in the news actually for two reasons. Uh, number first reason, which was as before yesterday, it was the approval of Turkey of their uh, joining NATO, and at this point, uh, they will be able to. They're everybody's agreed, and they will join NATO officially in the coming weeks. I guess it is. I'm not sure what the next step is, but all all nations have approved it, and so at this point, it's just a matter of the technicalities. Um, and they will join NATO. They'll be an important uh, important part of NATO. They have the you know the northern country. They're you know known to be really good fighters, as we saw during World War II. Yeah. Um, and they're strategically very well located. And it proves what a disaster Putin uh, did by his action, because Finland has always been more or less neutral. Yeah. And they had reasonably good relations with the USSR throughout uh, throughout the Cold War. Um, and um, Putin has pushed them into net being part of NATO. And, of course, the same with Sweden as soon as Turkey agrees for that as well. So strategically, this has been a disaster for, for Putin when you look at it in that in those sense. The second thing was there were elections yesterday, and the current government lost them. It's not quite clear. I mean, the center-right um, uh, center right government, uh, the center-right party was the party that gained the most, and they ran on economic um, issues. Um, the taxes were, well, the budget, the budget deficit was too high, and they needed to decrease the budget deficit. Um, so they won more than previously. It's not quite clear who's going to be able to form a government, because basically you have four parties, uh, one a little bit larger than the others, but none of them with anything close to a majority. So it'll be an interesting thing to see who wins. In Finland, uh, what kind of government do they have in Finland? Uh, parliamentary democracy. Okay. So, so uh, 
a couple of tra- th- things that happened uh, this weekend, though. We're seeing more and more trades with the yuan, and now I think it's India planning to use a different uh, currency as opposed to uh, the current world currency of the dollar. Any comments? No, I don't think that tells us very much. You know, the, the, the war between the United States and China in terms of economic war is disruptive, and so is, of course, the Ukraine war and the sanctions on on Russia. So there's always been an attempt, but I don't see anyone really using the yuan as a as a as a currency. because uh, no one really knows what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, yeah, they use it here and there, and it'll make news, and you'll see reports about it, etc. Um, but as a reserve currency, I think the dollar doesn't have much real competition. I mean, think back about 50, 10 years ago, people were talking about the euro replacing with all of them. That never happened. I think the uh, yeah. the ruble is another currency that's been uh, discussed. The ruble? I mean, the Russian ruble? Who would possibly... No, not the Russian. Cur- I'm probably mistaken. I'm thinking about the the uh, currency of India. <clears throat> oh, I know. The real, I think it's called, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Again, the Indian economy, does anyone really know, you know, yes, it's become a stronger economy, but again, the full faith in, and uh, of the Indian government behind its currency, I don't see people, you know, taking those sort of risks. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but I would be very surprised, at least in the near term. Long term, who knows what the world will look like. Exactly. So, uh, Mark, I wanted to, before I let you go, I want to talk to you about artificial intelligence there's been a proposal now to put a, a six-month ban on continued development of artificial, and we're seeing so many companies getting deeply involved with a large number of uh, employees working on this. What are your thoughts? It's very, um, thre- it's very frightening, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I read about a company that was doing an open-source um, <coughs> chat GTP version, and they were looking for people to open-source to make what's called... Um, Independent intelligence, I guess it's called AG, which means basically that the AI is independently intelligent and can add to itself, can program itself, um, and they're open that up for anyone to contribute to their effort to do that. Now, if that isn't frightening, I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about some of the more um, what was unbelievable sci-fi uh, ideas from from ten years ago. Well, yeah. guess what? They're happening. They're happening very, very fast. Yes, they are. Uh, and I don't think anyone, you know, I don't think anyone will put this genie back in the bottle. See, what's That's scary to reality. me, Mark, is that right now there's so many players who want to get in front of the parade and somehow take take control that the developments are happening so quickly. It's almost day to day. Yes, that's the point. I think <clears throat> the major point I would make is if if six months ago we thought we had years to worry about this, uh-huh. and now we're down to months. Days. And that's how that's how fast things are moving. So what do you think um, about a so, six-month six moratorium? I'm in favor, but how are you going to enforce it? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, maybe you, you can get Google and Microsoft and maybe OpenAI to do that, but what about this guy I just told you about who opened up? You know, it, it's an impossibility. That's the problem. Uh, in the uh, just a little really time is- we have left, can, what is the worst-case scenario for uh, AI uh, development? Worst-case scenario is AI decides one day, that it doesn't need us, mm-hmm. and basically we're ants in, in its world. Um, that's the worst-case scenario, and then its ability to control, don't forget, everything in our lives is somehow controlled by computers, right? Right. Now, normal hackers these days, really good hackers, can get into almost everything. Think about the power of AI and its ability to do so. Wow. So 
just think about that. Worst case scenario, we're worried about Ukraine. We're worried about Biden versus Trump versus I don't know what, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe none of these things are really relevant. Um, and I, in my view, was I, well, this is a problem for my grandchildren, but now I'm beginning to think it still be, it may be a problem for me and you. So yeah. we'll have to see. Yeah, absolutely. The power grid, I mean, you just go down the list, it's just unbelievable <clears throat> how much more vulnerable everything becomes as a result of the development of AI. Absolutely. I mean, just, you know, everything we do at this point, everything, every part of our houses are controlled electronically. Every car we drive is controlled electronically. You know, and all of that can be weaponized, you know, by countries, etc. but it requires a lot of effort, right? Right. If, you know, if they want to target just me, I guarantee you they can take me, take over my life or your life or whatever. But take over large numbers of people, it's a tremendous effort. But AI, with the power of computing it has, I'd be very, very worried. And I don't know how we put this genie back and what we do about it. Um, and, uh, you know, that's my view. And I'm not, a, I'm not an alarmist. I'm mostly a positive person who loves technology. But... And I use, don't get me wrong, I use it all the time these days Yeah. for helping me in my writing, for research. I'm using ChatGDP4 every single day. Wow. It's great. It's wonderful. But it'll also replace me. Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. I hope you'll check it out. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, Bob. You as well. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up. Uh, we're going to visit with uh, Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too.
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by, by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences right now. Uh, Neil Simon's Barefoot in the Park is playing, and it's getting rave reviews. Uh, you can still get tickets if you visit the website, uh, golfshoreplayhouse.org. It's running through April the 16th, so visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. Uh, Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We are an educational uh, organization headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, and our focus is on high school and college-age kids. We teach them ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, and private property, and personal character. And we do that in in-person events all over the country and uh, in schools and on campuses, and also uh, through our website, fee.org, which includes uh, videos and daily fresh commentary. Great organization, fee.org. And uh, again, if you have somebody high school or college age in your life, you definitely want to introduce them to the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, you wrote a, wrote a great piece. This is so fascinating, interesting, and inspiring. Mary Seacole, the British Jamaican nurse who served thousands of British troops during the Crimean War on her own dime. Maybe you can tell us about it. Sure. Uh, Mary Seacole was indeed a remarkable woman. She was uh, born in Jamaica. Her father was a Scottish lieutenant uh, in the British Army, and her mother was a black woman from Jamaica who was a doctress, as they called them, uh, a female doctor, who specialized in uh, herbal remedies, uh, natural remedies of various kinds. And uh, Mary grew up wanting to be a doctress or doctor. And uh, uh, so uh, she, early on in her life, uh, helped treat patients in uh, parts of the Caribbean and in Panama, in Central America, from uh, of cholera and other uh, tropical diseases. Uh, but then when the Crimean War broke out, uh, she was a British citizen, uh, being born in a British colony, Jamaica. She wanted very much to go to the front in uh, Crimea to be of service to the soldiers. And uh, she went to London on her own nickel, and when she got there, she went to members of parliament and to the war bureaucracy, all asking for passage uh, uh, to uh, get to the Crimea. And that was her request. And Everybody turned her down, said, oh, we don't need you, we're okay, thanks so much, you know. But uh, you'd think she would have gone home at that point, uh, dejected, but she was so intent upon accomplishing her goal that she uh, went to Crimea on her own, at her own expense and uh, built a facility she later called the British Hotel, which was really a kind of restaurant, uh, so she could earn some money to use to secure the medical equipment to then go onto the battlefield and help the soldiers, which she did for two and a half years. Just an amazing story. So her determination, her will uh, to, to to overcome all of these obstacles to do what she wanted to do, which is to serve others, quite frankly. And, and just a reminder that the Crimean War, I think, was back in the 1850s, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct, 1853 to 56. Yeah, and it was uh, the British... Uh, there's a couple other countries that were involved as well. 
Yeah, the, the British, uh, the French, and the Turks fighting against uh, the Russians on the other side. Yeah, with the purpose, I guess, of maintaining control over the area. So, and again, so she's not only deciding to serve, but also she's, many times, she, I'm sure she had bullets whizzing by her <laughs> as she was yeah. doing this. She went right out uh, in the midst of battle uh, to care for the wounded. Quite a remarkable lady. And she became so beloved and so well-known that the British soldiers by the thousands uh, routinely referred to her as Mother Seacole. And then after the war, uh, when the British withdrew, uh, of course Crimea then uh, was going to be Russian again, and so there was nothing there she could do. She, she really had to get out once the war was over. So she lost everything at the end and went back to London uh, penniless. But uh, so many soldiers had appreciated what she did mm -hmm. and uh, spread the word about her that there was a fundraiser in London to help her out, and 80,000 people paid to go to that fundraiser to help Mother Seacole. Isn't that a remarkable story? So again, you'll find this on the website fee.org, F-E-E.org. I hope you take a look at uh, the column. Mary Seacole, the British Jamaican nurse who served thousands of British troops during the Crimean War on her own dime. I mean, I think this is an object lesson for all of us about benevolence, uh, Larry. I think it's a great story. Hey, thank you. She was, uh, she was a genuine do-gooder of the very best kind. She was very good at what she did, and and uh, she did it in a completely voluntary, consensual, health-giving, life-saving fashion. No tax dollars at work uh, in this story at all. Uh, that's right. And by the way, and that's an important uh, uh, lesson that you also included in the column about do-gooders. Do-gooders, for the most part, I think it uh, was uh, Thoreau's comment, wasn't it, that uh, he basically said, if I have somebody's coming to my home that wants to help me, I run for my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Especially if they're coming from the government. But Mary Seacole did everything she did uh, voluntarily and at her own expense. Absolutely. Larry, just genuinely appreciate your commentary. Again, feed.org -E is the, is the uh, website. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Jim is a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, and he's written a series of murder mysteries, all terrific, really well done. Uh, the first is Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, his latest, No Problem, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. I hope you check out the website. They get the policies and they know the policy. Uh, they can prepare elected officials to win in the state and uh, legislatures. You can find out more by visiting the website, vfga.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, as I mentioned before the break. He's an author. He's a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's great. I'm, I'm going to ask you a trick question. Okay. And the question is, who will be the first presidential candidate to visit the border? And this will occur today. Ah, oh, boy, that's a good one. You know, I know well, the answer. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, okay. Nikki Haley... Because nobody remembers that she's even a candidate because <laughs> Donald Trump is sucking the air out of the room again. Uh, once again, he's the leading headline on almost every newspaper, not just in the United States, but globally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so this uh, indictment in New York, which, which even... Uh, leading Democrats find cringeworthy. Yeah. You know, they, they, they say that the uh, Alan Bragg is twisting the law and using uh, untested legal theory to bring these charges. Um, you know, it, it, it's like, it's bonus time for Trump. And then simultaneously, and I don't think this is a coincidence, I think it's reflective of Trump's global influence. The Saudis have cut production, so it will cause gasoline prices to soar. I just see the fingerprints of Jared Kushner all over that move, and it demonstrates, you know, and I might be a conspiracy theorist, but it demonstrates to me the uh, power that Trump has uh, globally. Mm-hmm. A- and think of this, according to Bloomberg, Biden was planning to announce his re-election bid this week, just as the Saudis <laughs> raise, raise oil prices. So if you think that's a coincidence, yeah. you know, I'll sell you a bridge. Yeah, that's so interesting. Well, the interesting thing is, is he's apparently flying down uh, today to or up to New York. Uh, tomorrow he'll be, uh, uh, the arraignment will occur and his indictment will be on 2.15 or so. Uh, and then he's going to be giving a speech tomorrow night at 8.15. It'll be broadcast on Newsmax.com and hopefully some other facilities as well. 
I would imagine it would be watched around the world, no doubt. But the interesting thing that now has happened is there's a judge or apparently uh, some sort of a threat of a gag order during <laughs> Trump's campaign. Can you believe that? It's ridiculous. And, you know, something else, too, uh, this prosecution in New York, and uh, let me remind your listeners that I'm a never-Trumper. Mm-hmm. I think the man is a scalawag. However, <laughs> uh, everybody is disturbed by the uh, tenor of this prosecution and the twisted legal logic. And, and then what it does is it, it dilutes the uh, other investigations. So today the Washington Post has all kinds of leaks uh, from the Justice Department about the obstruction of justice uh, case at uh, Mar-a-Lago, you know, the documents case. When you see that kind of leaking in conjunction with the, with the prosecution in New York, you think he is being persecuted. So mm-hmm. uh, I can perceive Trump being reelected and then pardoning, pardoning himself, which would be, uh, that would be high comedy. Um, something else helping Trump, uh, the recession is here. You know, I mean, it, it hasn't reached the definition uh, yet uh, that economists love about back-to-back uh, months of uh, negative growth. In fact, last month there was actually positive growth, was there not? It was, and it was po- it, it slightly, 2.5%. Uh, but if you go out to restaurants... Uh, you just see uh, retirees, and there aren't that many. Uh, we had headlines in the local paper. I live in the, what I lovingly call Podunk. It's uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Beautiful. I retired area. here from inside the Beltway. <clears throat> and this is like, it's kind of like a mini Florida. It's a retirement mecca because of the taxes. Uh, but anyway, the local newspaper had a, a headline this Sunday, and the public here, a countywide poll shows that the people in Lancaster think the economy here is terrible and getting worse. And the biggest complaints, food and fuel, you know, mm-hmm. which, are, which are elements that the economists back out of their inflation numbers. With. And it's ridiculous because this is what pinches the public. But anyway, uh, this tells me that the reflection, the recession is already here. People are, are pulling in their spending. You look at the headline today about McDonald's is planning huge corporate layoffs. Yeah. You, you know, who, who eats at McDonald's? Everybody does. Yeah. I mean, so, so the recession is, is here. Um, and that's going to make the inflation fight tougher for, for the, uh, fed, uh, you know, as, as, Prices are rising because of uh, oil with increases, and a recession sets in. It gives us stagflation. You know, it gives us uh, uh, inflation plus uh, terrible growth and people being unemployed. So, and recession at the same time. Yes, yeah, so I'm waiting for the Democrats to wake up and say we we have to get rid of uh, Biden. But then, you know, who's in the wings? I know uh, you need a young person. You know, I think I think DeSantis is probably Trump's biggest challenger because he's he's younger and he's conservative. The Democrats have no uh, youth contingent <laughs> that, that, that isn't cringeworthy. So uh, I, I think Trump is uh, his reelection 
bid this week looks incredibly bright. This is a historically significant week in politics and economics. Yeah, I mean, I think no matter what your feelings about uh, Trump might be, I think most people have strong feelings about him. In other words, they really support him, or they don't. They're never Trumpers, as you mentioned. You, You are. Uh, the point being is that I don't think this is anything that occurs between now and uh, the 20, uh, November 24. I don't think there's going to be a lot of impact on uh, how people think about uh, the candidates. I'm exp- I'm impressed by the Valmaswamy guy. He is just uh, very impressive. But I don't think he's going to move the needle in terms of the election. I uh, know he's still he's still an unknown, and he uh, you know what he deludes himself because he has a, he has an opinion on everything. I, I mean, he, he, it makes him like me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and me. You, you, you can't have too many opinions and be, be taken seriously. But, hey, but, what's going on with Aza Hutchinson? What is he thinking? <laughs> He's not a candidate for president. Isn't he the guy that's, that said he introduced himself for giving a speech and he, and he gave his pronouns? Isn't that him? I think so. But you know what? It's just a, a way to uh, attract publicity. You're going to see a lot of people... Chris Christie's talking about another run, and I mean, these are people that don't have the slightest chance, right? uh, But they want to be in the limelight, even if it's uh, you know for fifteen minutes. So uh, we're going to see a lot of that. You you make a good point because the fact is that I think many people declare they're running for president uh, without. Any intention, and, and knowing full well that they're not going to get the nomination, I think they're looking to increase their political capital, maybe look for an appointment in the next administration, whatever it might be. But I, I think it's a, it's a way to to enhance whatever you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, to put it in perspective, go on uh, Google and Google Pat Paulson for president. <laughs> you know, the great comedian. I, I mean, these are... Pat Paulson type uh, declarations when an Asa Hutchinson declares for president, it's a uh, high comedy. You know, I, I used to uh, Dave Barry uh, from the uh, Miami paper every year writes a column about uh, the year in review. It's so funny, but he he always runs for president. <laughs> <laughs> his his uh, main platform uh, uh, is that he wants to have he wants the, the electric chair for the guy that invented the slow flush toilet. <laughs> Good stuff. So again, uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington. Let me just get uh, your your comment on this. We're seeing uh, lower and lower infl- uh, numbers of employees, and yet we're seeing the unemployment rate stay the same. Is it? I'm guessing that these are just people that are retiring and saying, I'm, no, boss, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, it, it is. And plus, there's age discrimination in the workplace. Uh, you know, I think there are a lot of older people that would like to um, continue their careers, but uh, nobody will hire them. Except that, uh, you know, you go to retail stores around here, uh, there's a regional chain retail chain here called Boscov's uh-huh. and, and you go in and it's all people in their uh, 70s and 80s behind the counters and, and I've talked to managers they say great workforce because they're dependable and they always show up yeah. um, so there's so it tells you two things older people are being stretched they have to work and number two, uh, there's discrimination elsewhere. So, but but you're right. Overall, it's uh, the baby boomers are, are you know 
getting pushed out of the workforce, and that's why the numbers are the way they are. And uh, a number of people are working two jobs or moonlighting in order to make ends meet, So, uh, which is another issue all in and of itself. Jim McTague, again, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, his latest book I encourage you to read is called No Problem by Jim McTague, uh, MC, capital T-A-G-U-E. Jim, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for including me. Always a pleasure, Jim. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've uh, got great guests for tomorrow's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, who is the president of the Florida State Senate. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. And my wife, Linda, will be joining us as well. Uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends about it because that's the way we spread the word, support our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>